Ooh, thanks, you guys. That was awesome. Thanks so much. Um, cool. So um, we're going to spend a bit of time and doing some teaching on the the way, um, which we kicked off again last week. We've been going through starting this last year, looking at this idea of following the way of Jesus and going through some of Jesus' core teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew. Uh, we started in chapter 4, back started last year, and kind of gone through. And tonight we're starting chapter 7, which is the last chapter. So we're going to kind of, this is like the last run of about four weeks, and we'll finish this off. And um, if you've been tracking with us at all with, with that, um, we've been looking at Jesus' teaching. And this is like, he spoke this 2,000 years ago, but he talks about issues that massively affect us today, like um, worry and, and or or putting money before God or seeking reputation or dealing with anger and hatred and lust and, and the, all these issues of the human heart. And Jesus is just sort of highlights them in such a direct way, but in such a loving way and, and reframes, what does it look like to live in his kingdom, which is a kingdom of love and justice and, and goodness. He's the king of love and that's what he calls us. He's renewing the world and he calls us to follow him. And we're getting to um, the end now, but as we get into chapter seven, Jesus starts to talk about judging. And we might have thought like, okay, we're getting, getting some of these other things sorted. Maybe we're getting, dealing with some anger and dealing with some other stuff. We kind of think we're going pretty good. But then we come to this and Jesus just takes it to another level almost. Like, like getting into the intricacies of the human heart, um, the things that we do maybe without even realizing it, and, and some of our deep issues. And, and as I was studying this this week, it was a struggle because it's just like you're reading and listening and, and studying, just like, oh, man, like, I thought I was doing okay, but not now, <laughs> like, like, just like, like, bam, like, conviction, and, and realizing, like, there's, there's issues in my heart to, to deal with around this, and, and I feel like that will probably be the case tonight, that, that this, this message that Jesus brings, um, we talked about last week, he's up front, and he's direct, but it's in love, and tonight, this, this message on judging, we might sort of think, no, I'm not judgmental, but uh, wait till we get going. And, then, and it, this, this will probably be convicting, which is like a Christian word, um, which means that you kind of recognize that you're doing something wrong, but it's not that you're a bad person. It's that you, you recognize, oh, I didn't see that. That, that. You're right, God, that's not good. And there's some pain to it because it's, it's like there's a grief to it, but it also feels good. It feels sort of uncomfortable, but it's good. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? Like, like you lift weights, it's painful, but it's a good type of pain. It's a growing type of pain. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. He, he in love, will point on things and say, hey, this is not good. Like, we need to deal with that. We need to address that. And that might happen tonight. But the, the thing that we don't want to happen tonight, which is something that the enemy will come and do, is, is when the Holy Spirit convicts, he will kind of flip that and turn it into condemnation which is meaning not just that, hey, that thing you're doing is not good. It's, it's you're bad. It's, it's, it's God doesn't love you. It's that you're, you're, you're gone. Like, like that it takes like, oh, I did the wrong thing, and, and I need to change that to I'm a bad person. That's condemnation. And that's, that's not what God does. Um, the, the, the scriptures say if we believe in Jesus, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we don't want to listen to that voice. If you start to hear that voice tonight, we stand against it. So I'm going to pray. Um, and then we're going to go, go for this. I encourage you to, to have an open heart um, to these words, open heart to God's Spirit, um, but to not listen to any voice of condemnation. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll start. 
Father, we just thank you for um, your word and your truth and your spirit that's present and your grace, Jesus, and the story that we're in with you as our king, uh, that we can rejoice um, even, even in hardship and trouble. And we just thank you for tonight. And Holy Spirit, we ask, God, for your conviction um, and open ourselves up to being changed by you and challenged by you. Um, but Jesus, we just pray against the voice of the enemy and any voice of condemnation and ask that you would silence that in your name, Jesus, and that would not have a place here um, and for wisdom to stand against that. So give us your grace tonight, we pray, um, and just speak um, these words that you spoke those years ago, would you speak them again uh, tonight? We just pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so let's start. Matthew 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. Possibly one of the most well-known Bible verses there is. Maybe apart from John 3.16, a lot of people know this verse, and a lot of people like using it when they feel judged, and say, no, don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. Like, like, and, and this gets used all the time. And what does it mean? Is what we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of make some comments through this passage um, as we go and trying to pull out some application, but mostly just be teaching through the passage Today. So Jesus says, don't judge. What does that mean? Because this word judge here is actually something we do all the time. And it's, I don't think it's what Jesus is talking about. It's, it's to judge in this sense. The word really means to separate and to decide. In some ways, it's to make a decision. To make a decision, you need to use your judgment. You make a judgment is a, is a decision in lots of ways. And we do this in lots of places. If you're a judge, that's your job. Like, you do that all the time. Like, no, we don't have a problem with that. Jesus is not saying you can't be a judge. If you're, like, a talent, on a talent quest panel, like, you're, you're a judge, right? And you judge. If you're a school teacher or if you're at school and you're submitting assignment, your teacher's going to judge your assignment. Like, they're going to give you a C or a B or an A if you've done really good. Like, like... We don't really have a problem with that. And Jesus is not talking about that. He's not talking about making just decisions. He's also not talking about making moral judgments in the sense of saying that there's a behavior there that's not good. It's not in line with Jesus. Um, that, that, that thing that the person's done is not a good thing to do. Or maybe a judgment, a moral judgment of yourself. Actually, this behavior is not good. Because through the rest of the sermon, Jesus has talked about lots of moral behaviors and has called us to make judgments about them. So that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about making decisions. He's not talking about just a fair kind of, actually, yeah, teacher, it's their job to decide that I get a C. That's, that's fair. You can't say, you're judging me. Like, like, you can't do that. Like, it's like, that's, that's a fair judgment. But what Jesus is talking about is almost an unfair judgment, a judgment that's not just deciding or recognizing a behavior or an issue, but going beyond that. And going beyond it in a way that we probably wouldn't like people to do to us, but we might do to them, which is why he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And this way he's talking about. He says, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So there's some things where we would say, actually, if someone judged us and our behavior and said that was not a good thing to do, like you'd probably say, yeah, that's a fair call. Or a teacher making a judgment about a grade, that's a fair call. But there's other times when someone might judge us, and it's not just, hey, that behavior was good, bad. It's that they don't, they're assuming our motives. They're, they're assessing our heart. They're sort of making all these decisions about our character, and they don't know us. And you, you, you probably know what that feels like when someone judges you in that sense. 
or maybe when we do that to others. It's not just a behavior, but it goes beyond that to the person and, and almost standing above and looking at the person. And it's almost an unfair judgment. It's not just this is a behavior, but you're this type of person and trying to get into their heart and their motives and their character, things that we just don't know. Interestingly, I, Tim, Tim Mackey's been helping me with a lot of these messages. I've been listening to his messages. And he, he, he compares this to in James, when James kind of almost takes this teaching and kind of teaches it to his congregation and his generation. And he, his teaching kind of brings some more light to what this means. It's not just making decisions, but it's, it's going beyond that. This is what James 4 says. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. So slander is like, like a false accusation, assumptions, negative, maybe even spreading them to other people. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. So this is not just making a judgment that this behavior is bad, but this is slander or speaking against someone. It's, it's actually being a posture of against them or actually even saying that to others against them. And this idea that actually when you do that, you're sitting in judgment as a judge. But he says there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? He's, he's making a point that this, what we do is not just impartial, actually, yes, maybe that behavior is wrong or that there's an issue there. We take that and we assume that what that person's like and their motives and their heart and we put them in a category and we even find ourselves against them. Whether or not we, we share that publicly, but even just in our hearts, we sort of say, we've sort of figured this person out. We know why they're like that and we kind of put them down. We kind of start to sit up in judgment on them. Maybe then we even take that and advertise it to others or maybe we even feel the need to tell it to them and kind of put them in their place. And then we go even one step further often and actually sit up in the place of God in judgment on this person and decide who they are and what their life is about. And then we even think that God's like next to us and he's like, yeah, I know you figured it out. Like, like you're right. And we think that God is with us and we are a judge. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Actually putting ourselves in the place of God, assuming that God is with us and in a sense condemning somebody. Not just this is a behavior that's wrong, but the person is bad. We condemn them and put them down. What Jesus is really saying, the first thing, is why we're not to judge like this, is because we are not God. When we do this, we take the place of God and almost sit up with God looking down, but that's not reality. The reality is we are down with everybody else and God is up there. He's the only one. He's the only one who can judge. He's the only one who actually knows people's hearts and motives and story and background. He's, he's the only one who's in a position to actually do that. And, and we're not. We are not God. And this is um, what Dale Bruner says. We are not to make final judgments on anyone, nor speak assuredly of people's real character, nor to pretend we know God's verdict on another's life. So again, this is, this is going beyond just a, a moral judgment of behavior, but, but putting people down, final verdicts, writing them off, condemning them, seeking to control them, looking down on them. And, and he's saying, don't do that. If you, the way that you do that to others will be done to you. So don't do that. You don't like it when other people do it to you. So don't do it to others is what Jesus is saying. We are not God. Yet we do this all the time. Right? 
if you really think about it, we may sort of think, no, I'm not a judgmental person. The only thing you have to do is think about people who you think are judgmental and think about how do you think about them? <laughs> because you most likely will be judging them. We, we sort of think, I'm not judgmental. It's just those other, like, bigoted Christians. They're judgmental. Like, like, and we kind of look down on them and judge them. And, again, this is just everywhere in our culture, in our, in our world, um, just the polarization and just the condemning of other sides and, and judgment and, and assumptions and misunderstandings. But, but sadly, it's, like, everywhere around, around Christians. Like, as Christians, we just do this all the time. Like, like maybe we're not out with signs and boards and stuff, but, but we're putting those people down. Or we're, we're putting or judging the people that are in a different theological group with us. And we kind of think, well, we know, and God's with us. And, and they're, they're just, they don't have a clue. Like, like we put them down. We, we, we judge them. Or, or different styles of church or different denominations or, or even just differences in generations. Like where there's differences, it's just so, much, it's so easy just to simply judge, to, to condemn to put right, not just say, oh, I disagree. It's actually like, no, we're right. We're, we're, we're superior. <laughs> we know, and you don't. We're God's chosen one. Like, and we may not say that, but that can just be this heart posture that's there. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. that that's not good. We are not God, and we're not to live in that sort of posture. He goes on, though, to give a really funny story about why that's the case. You might have heard this before. Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? He's making a really good point, but he's just, it's like really funny at the same time. This is like, it's just like the picture of this is like someone has a small little problem, a speck in their eye. Maybe they can't see it. Like, the eye is significant, I think, in this, in this story. And, and, and this other person wants to help them. But they have a huge plank of wood sticking out of their head. And they're trying to help this person with a small little speck of dust in their eye. I found this on Google Images this morning. I think this describes it so well. It's like, this guy is going to try and help him and just, like, clobber him over the head with the piece of wood. Like, and the point Jesus is making in a lot of ways is, like, if you have a a full-on, like, big piece of wood in your eye. You're not going to be able to see clearly to, like, get a small piece, and it just is ridiculous. And, and he's making a funny point, but also, like, quite a direct point that often when we judge, this is what it looks like, is what he's saying. And, and we know what that feels like. Maybe when, when someone has come and they've tried to get a little speck out of eye, and, and we know that there's a huge log... In the eye, and we know, and it doesn't feel good at all. In fact, it feels hypocritical. And this is what he says, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the interesting thing. Again, what is Jesus not saying? He's not saying that the person doesn't have a speck. He's saying, assuming that they do. This, there's a person or friend who has a real issue like it's a small issue it's a, a speck but it could be harmful if it's in your eye and he's not saying they don't have that they do and he's not even saying don't help them he says first get the log out of your eye then you'll be able to help them so he's he, this again this is not saying just never worry about anybody else or never think about 
saying something to somebody else about an issue they have. He's saying that the way that we tend to do that is with a log in our eye, and we need to address that first. There's a couple of ways to understand what he really means. Um, the first one, what is the log in the eye? It could be this, seeing a fault in someone, but not seeing we also have the same fault or possibly a worse one. So we see that someone else struggles with, with something. Maybe they struggle with their money or finances, and we, and we think we're going to help them, but we're not even aware that we're in no position to do that because we're, we're, we are in major crisis and issues, and to try and help them just makes, makes no sense. Um, or maybe we have a worse problem that we need to deal with. It's, it's seeing something, and the, and the truth is, I find this in my own life, that often the, the things we see in other people so clearly are often things that we struggle with ourselves. And, and sometimes we're projecting onto them our, our own issue. Or, or seeing an issue in them just highlights our issue and makes us feel bad, and we think we have to fix them. But the issue is actually primarily with us. So he's saying, first, deal with your own issue, particularly if it's the same or if it's worse, before trying to help. Um, Bruno says this as well. It is the law that we consistently undervalue the size of our own faults and overvalue the size of others. Like by default, we think we're pretty good and we're here to be able to help everybody else. That's kind of what we tend to think, that our problems are not that bad compared to others so we can come and help them. But Jesus is saying, just don't assume that. <laughs> that's, that's probably not the case. Another way, though, to understand what this log is is seeing a fault in someone, but not seeing that we have an overly critical spirit. Not, not necessarily, we don't necessarily struggle with the thing that they struggle with, but we struggle with needing to go around and correcting everybody. <laughs> like, that's actually a problem. It's, it's, it's a problem of having a judgmental, critical, almost superior spirit. Like, like we're the ones who know about how to fix that thing. We've been there before. We know how to do it. You just have to come in and do this. And, and you kind of rescue in to help them. But the person doesn't receive it as love. It gets received as, you don't know what you're talking about. You just need to follow us. It, it's like we're superior to you, and we know what you need to do. And, and it's this sort of critical, judgmental, condemning spirit. And actually, if we have that, we're in no position to help somebody. It won't help them. We, we can't see. We're just going to be condemning and criticizing them. This is how Willard um, puts it. He says, condemnation, like a condemning spirit or judgmental spirit, is the board in our eye. Condemnation, especially with its usual accompaniments of anger and contempt and self-righteousness, blinds us to the reality of the other person. So when, when, when we have a condemning spirit, we are blinded by that. We see everything through that. We cannot see clearly how to assist our brother because we cannot see our brother. Jesus is saying, if you've got this log of condemnation in you, you're not seeing the person. You're seeing the issue, and we're just being quick to fix it or to control it, to deal with it, rather than actually seeing a person who does need help, who needs someone to come and, and speak a truth to them, but we're in no position to do it. Jesus is really saying, when we come to judge, we start by assuming that we have bigger problems. If we, if we see an issue in somebody else, the thing to do is not rush in, judge, this is what you do. The thing to do is to assume that we have problems that are worse. And we need to think and be self-critical and almost judge ourselves first. This is um, how Tim Mackey says it. This is kind of like a paraphrase. He says, Jesus is saying, just assume this is an inappropriate posture for you, the kind of judging posture. 
and assume that you've got issues to deal with that are way more serious than this other person. Like he's saying, that's the thing we need to do by default. Don't start by correcting. By default, assume that we're in the wrong. Assume that we just are seeing this thing because we have insecurities and struggles or assume that maybe we're just being judgmental and, and deal with that first. And again, he's not saying don't help or don't speak or that there's not an issue, but the default is to first judge and, and deal with it ourselves. Then we're in a position to actually in love come and say to someone, hey, you've got this, this thing I can see. And that is such a thing that requires so much maturity and, and humility and sensitivity for that actually to be received and, and given in love for their benefit, not just we feel insecure, so we want to control them. That's not, gonna, that's not love. That's not going to help. So Jesus is giving us this great insight into the human heart and our tendencies. And then this passage finishes with a really strange parable. You might have heard this before. Jesus then says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's like, what? Jesus is talking about not judging. Then he's talking about people being dogs and pigs. It's like, this is confusing. And this is, this is a really hard verse to interpret. Um, there, there's, there's multiple different ways to interpret. I'm just going to share. I don't want to spend long on this tonight. So I'm just going to share two brief possible interpretations of this and what, what he's saying. So this is like taking things that are sacred or good or pearls, precious and giving them to animals that, that aren't really interested in them, and the animals might get upset and, and turn on you. That's the parable. And one interpretation is what Jesus is saying is don't push good things on people who don't want or value them. Like, if you think about animals like pigs and dogs, they're not really interested in the Bible. They're not really interested in pearls. Like, you can't eat those. They're interested in food. And so you give dogs food. And if you pushed Bibles and tried to give them to them, they're going to get upset, eventually going to turn on you and try and eat you, probably. Like, like the, this one interpretation is that Jesus knows that his followers and the tendency of the human heart is to find something really good, like Jesus and the gospel and the kingdom. But then in our joy and zealousness, end up pushing it on people and people that are not interested or they don't value it or they're not open to it. And we, we push and push and push, and it has a negative effect on them. It has a negative effect on the witness. And, and to actually not to do that is, is one interpretation. Or something good that we love, to not push it on people who aren't interested or don't value it. Another interpretation, though, is that Jesus is speaking this um, almost as a bit of a qualification or a clarification of the last thing he said about judging. Because he said quite strongly not to judge, particularly in this posture of taking a posture of God or of condemning. But then one interpretation of this is he's actually saying, well, actually, no, that, but there still are sometimes you do need to be critical or need to judge. This interpretation says this, don't give up all critical thinking or discernment. It's almost qualifying what Jesus said. Like if we take Jesus, Jesus is obviously speaking against condemning and being hypercritical. But a danger would be to go to the other extreme and say, well, we're just supposed to live oblivious to everyone else's behavior. Like, Jesus said, don't judge. So I just don't judge. Like, just let people do what they do and just give them freedom. And yes, we give freedom. We don't want to control everybody, anybody. But we sort of just say, well, that's their life and I just live my life and it's fine. But, but this, is, this is kind of a qualification. Like, that's going too extreme. 
Whereas there is still a need to be critical and discerning at times. Um, particularly, this could apply to, say, when people are sharing with, with someone who might be actually hostile. Um, when when there's, there's someone who may be a dangerous person, there's a need to, to be critical. And you sort of don't say, well, just don't judge. Like, like there might be a need to actually uh, still use critical thinking and discernment. Um, so there are sort of two possible interpretations to that. Again, a challenging passage to interpret. I encourage you to study it. If you're interested, I've kind of summarized it as this, though. What Jesus potentially is saying, and what, what is true from other scriptures, is we still need some discernment. Jesus is not saying just sort of step back. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just not to think about anyone else's behavior except my mind, my own. It's like, no, we still need to discern. And, and there are times, and even times in the New Testament, where there's, there's, there's people that are causing major problems for the church, and, and people are told to avoid them. Or, or to, to stop speaking to them, or to, to sort of, there's a, there's a judgment then, in a sense, or, or some discernment um, that's needed. And Jesus is saying, one, one author says, like, the don't judge um, teaching is don't be so critical, and this teaching is what you still need to be a little critical. Not, not in the sense of condemning, but in the sense of discernment and judgment, and, and, and judging in terms of behavior, not condemning. So again, hard to interpret, but I encourage you to read some more. So I've said on this passage, Jesus is saying, we are not to judge and condemn because we are not God. We are to assume when we see a problem in someone else that we have bigger problems, whether it's the same problem or whether it's just being judgmental ourselves, but we still need some discernment. What he's really saying is that his way is actually living free from a judgmental condemning spirit and instead walk humbly showing mercy and love. That actually Jesus, Jesus didn't walk around just judging, condemning people. Jesus walked around with humility and, and love. And I mean, he did speak some hard things to people, but, but he, it was not from a, from a judgmental spirit. It was, in, again, in love. So as we sort of go from here, I want to take this and just give two applications tonight, or things that we could do sort of to, to start to work this out in our lives and, and sort of grow in this. Again, this is a journey that Jesus calls us to, his way. This is not like, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just stop judging people. Like, it won't work. Like, we, we, we go in a direction and we practice and walk with his spirit to grow to be the kind of person who doesn't need to judge or condemn and instead can just walk humbly in mercy and love. So first of all, listen to a message by, by a woman and she said this point, and she said, this is a point that you probably won't hear in church very often, but you hear it this week. The first thing to do is focus on yourself. <laughs> focus on yourself deal with your own thing, thing stuff in a sense this is sort of thinking if we find ourselves judging people in this way why are we doing it in fact why, why do we do that it's a, it's a strange thing to do really and in a lot of ways it's probably because maybe we're insecure um, we're, we're afraid um, maybe we're being full of pride or envy but, but there's an issue in our own hearts. We kind of think that, no, the issue is all these people who are doing the wrong thing. Like, they're the reason I need to judge. It's like, no, there's always been people with issues. Like, the issue is our heart. But, and, and we may feel insecure. We may feel, like, like, afraid and find a sense of satisfaction maybe in putting another down or, or condemning or judging. But it's not going to help. It's like there's a fire and we're trying to put out the fire by putting petrol on it. It's like that's just going to make it worse. The thing to do is not to judge, 
but to focus on ourselves and deal with this issue. And I think a lot of it, in some ways, can be linked to identity. We talked about last week um, the idea of if we take secondary things, like good things that God gives us, like our possessions, or like our job, or gifts and talents, or, or like reputation, or, or friendships, or, or favor with people. We take good things people give, that God gives us, but if we make them primary, if we say who we are is our job, or who we are is our car or our house, that's a really unstable place to live. It's insecure. Because who we are can only be found in God. But if we, if we put it in these secondary things, we're going to be people who judge because we're insecure. Henry Nouwen puts it like this. He says, as long as we continue to live as if we are, in the sense of who we are is found in what we do, so our job, our performance, our gifts, our talents, or who we are is found in what we have, our possessions, or in what other people think of us, our reputation. If we find identity primarily in those things, we will remain filled with judgments, opinions, evaluations, and condemnations. We will remain addicted to putting people in, and things in their right place. Because that's an insecure place to be. If, if who we are is our, our talents, or our gifts, or our, our, our stuff, it could go, it could be stolen. We, someone might get more than us, and it just can lead to this instability, insecurity, and judgment. Whereas if who we are is found in Christ, that who we are is people loved and made by God the Father and rescued by Jesus and forgiven, if that's who we are, that's secure, and we are loved. And actually the thing to do is to focus on ourselves and come back to our identity in Christ, that we are loved we are secure, we are forgiven, we are not condemned. So why would we condemn and judge others? Firstly, when we find ourselves, we catch ourselves. Actually, you have permission to focus on yourself and, and deal with that with God. Secondly, an application from today is focus on loving others. And in this sense of actually seeking their good. Jesus calls us to a life of love for God and for others. And this is not just a sort of feeling nice love, but, but a really active seeking their good. This is how 1 Corinthians 13 describes. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is like God's spirit working in us, his love in us. We grow in love and we find ourselves growing in patience and kindness and humility and generosity and, and giving for the benefit of another, which is really what this is about, actually seeking others good, seeking their benefit. And there's no benefit. We, we, we can be deceived though. We, we can sometimes think, that if we just sort of judge and disapprove of someone, it's, it will just whip them up and it will kind of win them in the shape and it'll be good for them. But, but it's not. Like, we know that. We know that when it's happened to us. Like, that's not seeking their good. It's coming out of our own issues. So we're to love them. But with this, there's a level of love that we're called to, which in seeking someone's benefit, will talk to them if there's a problem will tell them that there's a speck in their eye. Like, will actually confront 
and say, hey, I, I've seen this thing that, that you're doing and it's not good. And, and let's talk about it. Let's, let's address it. And we, we kind of will often think of love. The loving thing to do is to never speak a hard thing to somebody. Like someone's got a speck in their eye. No, no, I want to be loving. Jesus said, don't judge. Like, just let them go. Like, it's not my place. And, and yes, if we've got a beam in our eye, it's not our place. But the thing to do is to get rid of the beam and grow in love so that we can actually speak truth to people and, and in sensitivity while they're ready for their good. If it's not going to be for their good, then we don't do it. But it's about actually we need each other and we need each other to tell us things about ourselves that we don't see. Like, we want people to tell us when we've got food on our face at a party, right? Like, like when you've got sauce in your beard or something, like, like you want someone to tell you. You don't want everyone just to be like, no, nah, no, nah, we just want to love. We just want to love. Like, we don't want to, we don't want to say anything. Like, like, you want someone to tell you. And, and, and hopefully, if we're honest, if we're doing something in our lives and, and it's being destructive to others or it's destructive to ourselves, like, like wisdom says we want someone to tell us. Like, if I can't see it, I want to know about it. And actually, the loving thing to do is, is to say it. Not in judgment. It requires great humility. But it actually does require an ability to say something that's, that's hard and maybe painful, but is actually for someone's good. That love can actually speak truth for someone's benefit. Not about control, but about their goodness and, and their growth. And this is something, I think, for all of us to grow in, because it's hard. There's a level of maturity that's required, but it's something that we need. We need to do more of. Open ourselves up to being told that there's an issue in love and, and to grow in courage and being able to say, hey, I love you and I, and I, and I see this thing and I want to I just offer this up to you. Not in, I don't want to control you, but I love you and, and have you thought about this? That actually that can be a form of love that's really important. So as we sort of finished up, we're saying focus on yourself and your identity in Christ to grow out of this sort of judgmental spirit. Focus on loving others and seeking their good. And if we are going to speak a truth that we see that it's for their sake, for their good, to grow them with Jesus in their relationship with him. So as, as we finish up, there's this story that is really well known that I think just illustrates this so well, which is the story um, in, in John about the woman caught in adultery. Um, you might know this story. There's the, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, like the religious guys that, that would judge and condemn all the time. And, and they are trying to trap Jesus even. They want to condemn Jesus. They want a reason to be able to, to reject him. And they organize this thing where they find a woman who's committed adultery, which is against the law. And they drag her out and they bring her before Jesus' feet. And they say that the law says that we are to stone this woman. And and, and they say, what do you say, Jesus? And the text says that what they're trying to do is they're trying to trap him, trying to trap him in his words. They're, they're judging and, and like publicly shaming this woman, and they're trying to find a way to judge and condemn and publicly shame Jesus. Like, that's what's in their heart. So Jesus knows this, and it says that he just sits and draws in the sand for a bit. Like, he just lets the situation calm down. And then he says, those of you without sin, can throw the first stone. The interesting thing, again, Jesus doesn't say that she hasn't sinned. He says she has. And he doesn't even say that what they're saying is not what the law says. He seems to agree with it. But he says, he who is without sin casts the first stone. And what he's doing 
is pointing out the big logs in all these guys' eyes, that actually they're ready to condemn this woman, but actually, if they're honest, they're guilty as well and deserve to be condemned as well. And it says the older ones particularly went first and dropped the stones and, and walked away. And Jesus just highlights this, this hypocritical, condemning, log-in-the-eye spirit and, and the heart behind it. This is not about honoring God's justice or, or, or upholding something. This is just about them getting their way and, and feeling secure in their, own, in their own sort of group. Like, that's what this is about, and Jesus puts that um, out in the open. But the interesting thing is all the people leave except for Jesus. And Jesus is the one who hasn't sinned. He has never sinned. He's the one who actually has a right to condemn her. He could. He has a right to judge her. He could under the law. But this is what happens. He speaks and says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and leave your life of sin. He's the one who could condemn her, but he shows her mercy. He forgives. But again, in love, doesn't just say, yeah, that's fine, just do whatever you want. No, in love, actually leave the sin. Like he speaks that in love, not with a condemning critical spirit, but in love with mercy and grace. When we think about Jesus and who he is, he's the only one with the right to condemn but he was condemned in our place. He's the only one with a right to judge, but he's shown mercy and grace. That's what Jesus is like. He could, he could write, we, we pretend to be God when we, that's not reality. He is God and he could rightly judge and condemn us all. But instead, he takes all the judgment and all the condemnation that we deserve and he bears it himself and he carries it so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be welcomed into his family, which means that we are all benefits of mercy, beneficiaries of mercy and grace. And therefore, he calls us to a way where we live by mercy and grace for others. We don't want judgment for ourselves. We want mercy from God. Therefore, we don't judge others. We show them mercy as well. That's, that's the life he calls us to. So we're going to respond with, with communion um, and, and, and pray. And again, that might have probably did stir some things in the heart. And I just encourage you to come before his, him with his, his forgiveness and his grace. There's no condemnation in Jesus. And to ask him to change us, to shape us from people maybe who, who have a tendency to judge to people who are characterized by mercy and grace and love and will still be able to speak truth, but not from a place of judgment, but from love and grace. So maybe we can stand. Let's stand together. And... Um, when, when you're ready, you can come forward and take communion. We, we dip the, the biscuit in the juice. Um, there's offering bags as well if you'd like to give an offering. Um, and then we'll sing the last song to finish. So, so let's, let's just press in to God for this, this as we sort of finish up tonight. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much that you revealed Jesus to us. And Jesus, we just thank you that you are so good. You, you are so full of mercy and grace, God. Your, your default heart towards us is compassion. And you've demonstrated your love in that you would die for us. And tonight, Father, would you meet with us? This Holy Spirit, would you come um, just now and just make yourself known to us and, and speak into our hearts, we pray.
bring freedom tonight, God, particularly tonight, Lord, freedom from condemnation, um, that we would know that we are secure in your love because of Jesus. And God, shape us to be people like you, people who love, who lay down judgment and show mercy. So we just invite you here in this time in your name.